0: if you can go back and talk to yourself 10 years ago and you got 60 seconds to share whatever it is that you can, and then boom, you're going to disappear. What would you say to that guy?
1: I'd say, know your worth. I've always wanted to be the quote unquote rock star in the group, right? Like I need to be the guy. I don't, I'm not, I've never been content with just being a guy, right? And so what happens is, It sounds great right on the surface. It sounds oh, he's a go-getter. But the roots of why I wanted to be the guy uh, had nothing to do with just, oh, I'm just a conscientious person that wants to do my best. I mean, there was a little of that, and there is that today. But if I'm being honest, back then, it was more about this is how I prove what I'm worth if I, I, I can't just be a member of the team, I need to be or want to be the best member of the team. Because if I'm the best member of the team, that means I'm worth that much more, right? Yeah. To them, and more importantly, to myself, like it was a way of affirming my own self worth. And so, um, you know, I mean, honestly, I've grown up with self worth issues all my life, I didn't yeah. realize it till later on. I remember when I took over as a COO of a company now that we acquired, but and back then when i became the ceo of triple x church that was a big step for me and i had major 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 anxiety issues for a couple months and i struggled yeah. with anxiety in the past but not on that level that it was like crazy high uh, you know panic attacks and uh, got with a counselor finally broke down and opted for a counselor mm-hmm. even though I, I was at that time, I was like, oh gosh, I don't need a counselor. But I, I broke down and went cause I was desperate. Yeah. And, uh, you know, she said, Hey, you know what you have? You have imposter syndrome. I was like, what's that? And she explained it and it's like, yep, yeah, that's it. You know, she said, this happens all the time with CEOs and professors and, uh, guys that run multi million dollar. Co-. she says, it's, one of the most common things you'll run into is imposter syndrome. And it's wow. just this idea that you don't think you're good enough for the role you've been given. And uh, yeah, just going back, I mean, I'm sure we'll get into this, but that's a lot of the roots of my porn issues back when I was younger. Uh, I mean, that's everything. It's, it's the understanding of what you're worth and that you're worth. And this is, this would be, I guess, part B of that is know your worth. And also know that what you're worth is not, is not determined by what you do or accomplish. You know, your worth is your worth. Like you're, you're good. Cause God said, so he's not, you're not good because of what you can do for him. He doesn't need you to do anything for him. He's more than capable to do whatever he wants on his own. Yeah. Um, you're good because he simply said you're good. And that's what you got to understand is your worth doesn't come from these external things. It's not, how many sales you make or, you know, how how far you advance in the company or um, how many people in the church look at you and think that wow, they have a great marriage. Like none of that determines your worth. Yeah. Uh, and if you don't understand that, man, it'll jack you up. Right. Because identity is so important to our to our journey in life. We have to have a really solid sense of identity. And if our identity is somehow based on our performance, you're screwed. I mean honestly you're you're just yeah. messed up and it's going to and it's going to pan itself out you know in the long run in all sorts of areas of your life including addiction and things like that because you you know at the end of the day in the back of your head you know that you never can measure up you yeah. know that you know but yeah, you but absolutely. you're trying to and so the stress of that constant tension of I need to be more but I can't be more is is haunting Right. So then you have to do things to get your mind off that reality.
0: Right, man. I, I think the, the guys listening need to make sure that they just pause here, rewind about three minutes and just start that over because what you just dropped there was foundational. And it was so insightful because what, Really, what you're discussing is is the the thing behind the thing behind the thing behind the thing behind the thing that drives everything, right? Because what we yeah. tend to do as men is we want to solve problems. We all know that, right? We're looking at ourselves and we're saying, "Hey, what problems in my world are there, and what can I do to solve it?" That's like your default um, your default approach, which is you know sometimes why we uh, don't jive with our women when they just want to tell us about our problems and just want us to listen and not solve them. Okay, so you have all of these issues here. Um, but you don't know where they're coming from. So here you are swatting at flies, right? So here's a a metaphor. There's a bunch of flies in your living room. You're swatting at them because you're solving the issue right in front of you, but you're never looking behind you to freaking close the door that you left open. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Just close the damn door, bro. Um, So man, even just going back to you saying um, that a lot of what you were doing was to try to get that affirmation uh, try to prove uh, your worth, and the imposter that was showing up every single day in your skin. Right? Maybe, maybe some guys might might want us to dissect that a little bit more. What that means? Uh, the imposter that's showing up is you, but not the real you. So l- let's peel that back a little bit. Talk to me a little bit more about the imposter, because uh, I do want to dive into you know your book. You said you have coming out here in the next few weeks in February uh, when shame gets real, and I think this has to do a lot. A lot with it, am I wrong?
1: Oh no, it has a lot to do with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, imposter. So, the funny thing is, my I was at church this week. I do go to church, and my uh my pastor mentioned imposter syndrome, and he gave a definition. And I was like, that's not really exactly what. So that term, imposter syndrome, can be used in multiple ways. The way my therapist or counselor, or whatever you want to call her. Uh, Use it was more in the clinical way. So imposter syndrome is, and I actually give a definition of it in the book. I didn't come up with it. I mean, I, I found it and cited the proper sources, yeah. but uh, I got to go off of memory here. But basically, the key, word, the key word in that definition is despite. So it was basically, you think you're not good enough, or you don't deserve it, or you know, put in the negative thing, right? I can't do this. I can't accomplish this. I don't deserve this. All this stuff, right? And the key word in that definition is despite the evidence. That was it. Like you you've advanced in this company, you've gotten the promotions, and now you think you can't do it. Despite the fact that you've done it all along. But you you're convincing yourself that no, I'm an imposter. I don't really deserve this role, even though you've yeah. earned that role all the way along. So that's that's what imposter syndrome from a clinical perspective refers to. Right. Is but I think in terms of what we're talking about what happens is where does that imposter syndrome come from, right? Yeah. And so it's yeah, you might deserve that role, but why do you feel like you don't deserve that role? And then mm-hmm. that gets mm-hmm. into those formative years and these these patterns that we've developed where it's I'm just, I'm just fooling everybody. I can't, you know, I need to, I need to be more. I need to be more. I need to be more. And the reality is, you know, I talk about this in the book too, but you're, you know, yes, you can be more, right. You can sell more, you can do more, you can lead better. Don't get me wrong. We can always self-improvement is a huge aspect of life. We should always be looking to improve our ourselves. Right. So I'm not bashing self-improvement, but the reality is there's a ceiling. Right. You, you're you're only going to get so far. You can only become that much more because we're limited because uh, we kind of messed up. Right. A few thousand years ago, whatever your theology says. You know, yeah. I mean, that's the bottom line. Right. And uh, and that's why, you know, not to get preachy here, but that's why God sent Jesus is because he knew we couldn't ever be that much more. Right. Yeah. So he's like, hey, look, I got the solution. This guy, he can be more for you. but but, you know the reality is we're way too prideful even though it doesn't come across as pride you know consciously the reality is we're way too prideful to accept that truth so it's like no no no, i don't need that let me prove myself and god's like dude you're only gonna get so far buddy. you'll never prove yourself unfortunately um and that's why you need this guy so let's let's just pause right and so it's all that yeah. stuff that leads to imposter syndrome on the clinical level, right? Because we're just in that mode constantly right. of, I got it, I got to get farther ahead, and we know somewhere deep down inside, we're limited, right? Yeah. but we don't want to admit it.
0: Man, you you put such good vocabulary around that right there, and guys, I really want you to pay attention to that because I feel like you know you don't have to know much about nutrition to understand that if you ate microwavable food for breakfast, lunch, and dinner you're not very, you're not living a very healthy lifestyle, right? There's no fresh vegetables or no fresh fruits. There's no freshness in your life. It's just all microwavable 90 second foods that's been processed and has a bunch of additives in it. All right. But it's easy, right? It's not life giving, but it's easy. And I think that's what happens when a man shows up to different areas of his life. And he says, he has a choice. It's this Jesus figure that has been maybe, you know, painted to you in a way that's maybe not, it's not awesome. Maybe there was a lot of shame in it. Maybe there was a lot of religion, a lot of rules, a lot of whatever. Maybe you're just completely not wanting to do anything with Jesus or the church, or maybe you just don't know. But either way, you have a choice between this way that Jesus proposed, right? Of life, of freedom, right? Of easiness. In in terms of the burden that you carry, being able to give it over and carry a lighter yoke of picking up your cross really daily, but also following him so you're not lost, you're not wandering, or the microwavable stuff that we get to do every single day, like show up to work, get my identity from work, right? Uh, Show up and get some achievement by doing a little bit more work and get get a little bit of a, a 90 second meal there. Right. And then maybe we progress a little bit more and I have some more achievement at some, I don't know, sports team. Maybe it's the fact that people like me and and, and I show up there in, in different ways. And so we continue to consume these easy meals rather than feasting on the one true bread of life. What do you think?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, that's uh, I think that's uh, when it comes to Especially the stuff we deal with, like sex porn and all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, in fact, it's um we're putting out a blog post this week. So I don't know when this is airing, but as I'm talking to you, a blog post is going out this week. And the title yeah. of the blog post is um, short term was it, short term pain versus long term gain. Mm. And uh, I talk about the idea of when it comes to sex porn and masturbation that this principle applies in everything, like you said, it applies in fitness perfectly right? We understand this in the fitness world, no pain, no gain. It's a cliche saying, but it's, it's so true. Yeah. Uh, so we get that in the fitness world. But when it comes to dealing with sensitive topics like porn, masturbation, sex, and all this other stuff, we don't follow the same advice, right? We go for what's easy, what's simple, what's non-uncomfortable, right? And yeah. so we go for these short, quick fixes, rather than dealing with the real stuff right the stuff that can be a little messy can be a little dirty can be a little little uncomfortable can be a lot uncomfortable really but we don't want to go there because it's it's a it's it's a lot of short-term pain right Right. but we don't see the long-term damage that it does and it does a lot of long-term damage by because you're Again, back to the screen door, right? You're, you're never going to the source of the issues and you're never getting honest about these things. Like, um, yeah. it's funny, we have parents write in a lot, right? Um, and they say, hey, you know, how do I talk to my kid about this? And what do I do with my kid about this? And what do I do with What's the best way to help my kid stay off the porn?" And um, I don't know how many of them like my advice. They probably don't. But I tell them, like, listen, a first of all you're never going to keep your kid away from porn okay mm-hmm. it's going to find him eventually just know that right so yeah. if you're spending all your efforts trying to insulate him or her you're you're failing you're going to yeah. you're failing um, right that's that's going to happen no matter what so yeah. what you need to do is spend less effort trying to insulate and protect your children and more effort just being honest with them and inviting the conversations that are going to happen it's just saying, hey, you know, this this is going to happen or this did happen. Let's talk about it. No shame, yep. no punishment, no judgment. I'm not going to call you a dirty little this. You know, no, let's just be honest about it. What happened? How did it make you feel? You know, what are yeah. you, that sort of thing. And uh, You know, <laughs> that's the type of relationship I try to have with my kids, especially my son. You know, I tell him, buddy, listen, whatever happens, just tell me. Like, I'm not going to kill you because I've made all those mistakes and probably more. Yeah. Um, but at least give me the opportunity to discuss it with you before you make some decisions, because there's there's a lot of long term problems you could cause yourself that you don't realize now. And he's he's super honest with me. I mean, he tells me some wow. stuff that I would never tell my dad, you know. But he just yeah, dad, I'll tell you this and blah blah blah. And we we have a good talk about it, you know.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. So
1: that's the best thing you can do as a parent is talk, talk, and honesty. Talk and honesty don't freak out. Right. Yeah. You might want to freak out, but don't freak out. Right. Yeah. Just, okay. Hey, let's talk about this.
0: Yeah. And I guess maybe even just applying it, uh, to ourselves, like, okay, I'm trying to uh, walk away from lust and temptation and porn. And, you know, the best I know to do is to put up horse blinders around me so that I just don't see it. I just don't see it. I just avoid it. If if I don't see it, it's not there, but long (laughs) behold, you're on Instagram at two o'clock in the morning scrolling and it just so happens that Instagram's algorithm has got you, bro. It got you once again and it just showed you the right picture at the right time so that when you stop that scroll, you gave it a signal that it should continue to show you those pictures and maybe at a cyclic rate so that 30 minutes later, you actually go to bed finally, um, full of shame, full of uh, regret and not feeling fulfilled at all. And so maybe a perfect segue just to dialogue a little bit more about your book um when shame gets real like why this book why is this important uh for today and uh um, yeah what's your core message in it uh
1: so it's the, the full title is when shame gets real a new way to talk about sex porn and masturbation uh, but i mean it honestly the stuff i talk about in a book could apply to any area of shame in our life you know yeah. I, I tried to write it in such a way where it really rang true with our core audiences and the people I've worked with the most. But it's kind of like, hey, this is this is how you this is how we have to deal with shame in our life. This is why shame is destructive. Um, but I'm going to share this information, particularly within the context of sexual shame, or shame that surrounds sexual behaviors, or shame that leads more more accurately to sexual unwanted sexual behaviors. Um, and the reason I wrote that book, well, I mean, the real reason is. A publisher approached me and said, Hey, do you want to write a book? I really like the way you write. And I said, All right. You know, because to be honest, I got with ministry and the, all the different things we do, that was always a, you know, bucket list pet project. Yeah, that'd be fun. But I never was going to do it because, oh, you know, that write it, market it, self publish versus pro, and then have to market. It. No, like I got too many things to do. You know, so when someone came to me, gift wrapped, and said, "Hey, if you write it, we'll publish it," I said, "Okay." Now we're we're good, right? So that's the reason I wrote it to be honest. But uh, the subject really comes from um, just years, particularly the last two to three years, but more so just the decade I've been dealing in this area of sexual integrity, if you will, and helping men specifically with porn and sex addiction issues and things like that um, it comes from all those years of, I guess you would say frustration, you know, yeah. um, frustration with seeing what shame does to a guy, right. Or a woman, right. Cause we help yeah. women too. Um, yeah. And frustration about the fact, not only what shame does to somebody, but the fact that we as a culture, and I would say, honestly, specifically or particularly a church culture how we feed that shame problem by our avoidance um, of how we handle these topics or Gosh, by our avoidance so of these topics or by the toxic way we talk about these topics yeah. um, for instance it's funny you said um you said something about fast food right and it's I, I know you and i even though i just met you i know you and i would buy pretty good because i tend to with the porn and sex and stuff like that i Often more I'd say 75%, 80% of the time, I will relate it to some sort of health or fitness principle because it just it just works so well. Um, and I'm into that stuff as well. So it, it makes sense yeah. to me, right? But I I see the same things that work and don't work in the health and fitness field as in the recovery, if you will, field. It it it's almost like a mirror image, right? Yeah, um, but you said the fast food, and I've used that, I've kind of used that as a uh, whatever what's the word uh you said it's a poor you know i'm getting at but it's like i can't think of it it's it's what happens you get to be 50 man you like start forgetting words anyway (laughs) um but i've used that to talk about porn because here's the thing you know in the church world especially we will go the easy route of just it's gonna sound weird but picking on the porn industry right Mm -hmm. oh those that that oh that bad porn industry oh those evil porn people Oh, that evil, this, and that bad, this. And if we can just get rid of all that, life will be perfect. No, it won't. But it's easy to go there, right? Because they're the easy enemy. Yeah. And, oh, why would you mess with that? That stuff is complete crap. And the reality is, if you're a guy dealing with this stuff, something in the back of your mind is saying, I know you said it's complete crap, but something doesn't ring true. And the reason it doesn't ring true is because porn does offer value. We just don't want to admit it because it feels really weird to say that, but it offers value The value it. But you know, what type of value? And I, I'd break it down to kind of like fast food. You said my great dinners, but same idea is, Hey, if you're starving and you need something and you eat a big Mac, hope I don't get sued there, but you eat a, we'll say, uh, you eat a greasy burger. Okay. We'll put it that way with some special sauce, lettuce, cheese, you know what? It's going to get you through the day, right? It's going to give you some protein. It's going to give you some carbohydrates. It's going to give you some, well, an excessive amount of fat, right? But it's also going to load you with sodium and all the bad fats. And if you keep doing that every day, you're going to end up in the ER by the time you're 30, right? I mean, it's going to eventually kill you. But don't pretend like that hamburger doesn't offer some value. If you're hungry, it's going to taste real good and it's gonna definitely offer you some value. That's the yeah. same thing with porn. Like porn offers value, we, we can't be afraid of saying that. If you're looking for connection, if you're looking for satisfaction, if you're looking for just a way to kind of numb out some of the unpleasantries of your life, if you're looking, all these things, right? Porn offers all of that because it's it's a one way, the way you see it is it's a one way street. Hey, I'm always here for you whenever you want me. You don't ever have to prove yourself to me. Yeah. If you yeah. want it, I'm here. Like yeah. that's what we all want to hear, right? In life, is you don't have to prove yourself. I'm just here for you. Like, right? Porn says that all the time. There's tremendous value in that promise. Actually, you don't and even get- just
0: to gee, even just to add on to that, whenever you eat fast food, people don't know this, but uh, because it only fits you, fills you with fats and you know the high sodium and everything, like you actually get hungry quicker. <laughs> right. So you're ready for your right. next fix of fast food much faster yeah. than if you yeah. would have eaten a full meal that was actually healthy and life giving. Go ahead.
1: Yeah. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. And that's, that's one of the, like I said, you get the value, but there's a whole bunch of baggage that comes with that value that isn't, that either isn't being disclosed to you or you just ignore. Right. So again, going back to the whole church thing, the, the problem is when we just approach porn as a, Hey, this is evil. It's the problem. It's this, it's that it's you miss the bigger picture, which is no, there's all these other things that we need to deal with that have nothing to do with porn. But porn is the easy fix because it offers you a promise. And there's no denying that there's some truth to the promise it offers you. It does offer you something guaranteed. It's not lying to you. It, it yes. will give you unconditional whatever you're looking for. The problem is there's a bunch of stuff that comes along with it that you need to know about. But if we don't even want to tackle that topic, we're not going to educate guys on it. Right. They're not going to know or women. I don't want to be sexist like men or women. like right? We're not going to educate them on. Hey, this is. Yes, it, it gives you something, but it gives you a lot of other somethings that you don't necessarily want. So let's jump yeah. into those conversations. And so back to your original question, that's why the book, because yeah, I'm just tired of seeing these things where it's, like I said, it's culture at large, but specifically yeah. church culture, where we just don't want to get into these topics because they either produce a lot of shame in us or we feel a lot of shame. And so therefore we don't feel we don't. All, we already feel a lot of shame around that area in our life, so we don't feel, in, you know, empowered to even discuss it, right?
0: Yeah, man. It's so funny because the way that the church does look at it, it's almost as if they are surprised that the world is acting like the world. Like, oh my oh. gosh, the world is being the world. They are actually doing things that are evil, and they are doing things that are not right. And yeah, you're right. We pick on that. We address the world as the world, and and we don't do um the hard conversations when uh, and I, I know that there's a book out there that's called uh, sex jesus and the conversation the church forgot um or forgot to have something like that and it talks it just you know goes into that same idea of the fact that hey guys i know this is kind of scary And there are parents who are contacting you for a reason, wanting to know a little bit more about, hey, how can I deal with this with my children? Because I never really had it under control for me. And I never, my dad never had it under control for him, right? So it's all this generational stuff showing up. How can I do better? How can I do better? And then we look to church and we're learning about all of these tools and and things and, uh, you know, spiritual truths, which is absolutely profound. But when the world gets more practical about the needs that we have than the church does, you're right. We're going to go to the fast food. Because damn, those golden arches are just right there and, and it's promising. And it's yeah. open
1: 24-7. <laughs> Absolutely. 24-7 is correct.
0: Okay, so um, I guess walk me through uh, a little bit of how it is that you um, pitch your message in the book, uh, being able to get a guy you know, from point A, where he is before he reads the book, to point B, where he is after he reads the book. How do you, How are you bridging that gap of hey when shame gets real here's what uh you can do about it
1: yeah so it's i mean it's definitely going to appeal to a lot of guys because i'm a guy and i talk like a guy but it's for men or women or parents or anybody um and it's really a message for the society and the church you know a general message but uh The book is more about like I I spend part of the first part of the book. I talk basically about the damaging effects of shame, because I think sometimes we cognitively. I mean, yeah, I think we understand that shame is a problem, um, but we don't necessarily always understand why it's a problem. We just know it's a problem. Like it's bad. Right. Shame is bad. I know the shame is bad. But why is it bad? We don't understand the profound effects it has on us. Um, emotionally, biologically. I mean, there's so many different aspects of the same thing that we just don't even give it credit for, you know? And I, again, I deal with guys all the time, who I'll say, dude, you're, you're struggling with some deep shame here. You need to get past that. And sometimes their replies are, yeah, I know it's not good, but I just don't see any other options. Like, no, I think mm-hmm. if you understood how not good it is, yeah. you would make it a more of a priority to get past because That's you don't good. understand it's, it's contributing to all sorts of problems that you're not even giving it credit for. So uh, a lot of the book, I, you know, I'd say about third of the book I spend focused on that conversation. Uh, Then, then I talk about basically how it plays out in the world we live in, you know, in church, in our families, in social media, and all these things, like how does, how does the shame cycle get perpetuated and, you know, where do we see it happening? And, um, and then the last part of the book is, yeah, more about, some of the practical aspects of how do you navigate shame moments in your life? Right. But mm-hmm. you know, the reality is, and I tell them this in the book, there's a book, there's a chapter called deep work. And I said, look, this is how you navigate it, but let's not pretend like you're going to read this book, put it down and be fine. You, you still have to get to some of the root issues of why you feel shame in the first place. Stuff like we were talking about with worth yeah. and all this. And, That requires some extended deep work, right? Like that's going to, that might require some counseling, that might require whatever, right? Coaching, you know, it's going to require some other things. Don't, it's, this is not an easy fix. But once you can get to some of the root issues of where that shame comes from, then, you know, now you have some of the practical tools, if you will, to navigate those moments. Because even if you solve, not solve, but because you never solve it, but even if you address, the roots of shame in your life, um, the reality is you're still going to have moments where it's going to creep up its head. It's just a natural thing. We all feel shame at times. And so it's like, okay, now I know where it comes from. How do I practically walk through this moment? And part of practically walking through that moment is understanding where it came from, right? now, Because now you're in a better position. Uh, But if you don't know where it came from, it's going to be really hard to get through those moments.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wow. I'm thinking of what the Marine Corps teaches commanders as they are about to take troops into battle. And when it comes to delivering orders, delivering, I mean, orders that have the opportunity or have the potential to issue somebody's death, right, at the end of this operation. And so a commander is taught to engage in deliberate planning. One of the things that we get to do is battle space analysis. It's where you do this deep dive into understanding where it is that you're going into. Now, there's there's a large battle space. Everybody's thinking maybe like a a city, right? We're taking a city. We're taking a country. But there's also the micro terrains, right? So if my job is just to take that hill and I have to do a battle space analysis of my route two and then the hill and what lies beyond it, I'm going to do a deep dive into what is driving this, um, you know, the the kinetic uh, activity here on this hill? Why is this important? Where's the enemy flanking me from? Or where is he last known to be? Um, I'm going to pay attention to my troops as well, and how I can come in and affect the battle space. And so I'm picturing, as you just were talking about that, this, this deep understanding of what I have available to me, and what the battle space looks like from the enemy's perspective, and understanding co- even culturally, like what, what was going on there? What just happened there? What what troops were just in the area? And what did they uh, kind of contact that they receive received in that area? And doing that, being able to walk away from that, that's 80% of your planning, right? Then ne- The next 20% is delivering your order, making sure that everybody's ready to execute that, make sure everybody understands your order. And then you're moving out. But a lot of the times we're just like, all right, guys, we have a problem. Uh, it's uh, that hill over there. It's called porn. We're just going to go ahead and tackle it. Let's go. And then guess what? You stop watching porn for a week. You stop lusting for two weeks. Oh my goodness, it's been a month and you're good. But man, that girl, she just looked at you a certain way or she didn't look at you at all. Or that test that you got back, you, you got a way lower grade than what you thought or the, the anxiety that you felt at work. And all of a sudden, <laughs> there goes that relapse again. And, and then we, we restart that cycle. Right? We're back, yeah. we scurry back to friendly lines and we're like, okay, how can we do this uh, one more time? Now let's try to uh, do it again. Frontal attack, ready, set, go. No planning, no battle space analysis. And a lot of men get hurt. <laughs> a lot of men get shot down. We walk out into the battle space without any, a- or any armor, uh, without any supporting artillery, without any covering fire. <laughs> we, j- we show up to our own doom, right? Yep. Man, I... I can't, honestly, I can't wait to get the book now. <laughs> I'm excited. I, I am amazed with some of the work that uh, Brene Brown has been able to put out there with shame. Uh, did you run into yeah. her at all in, in, in the oh, yeah. of your book? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I've run into her. I I uh, actually cited a lot of um, studies and stuff that had nothing to do with her, but just, yeah, did a lot of citing and research. Um, there's, a, there's a book out there called, I won't say the full name, but, Cause it might offend some of your listeners. It's called "F Your Feelings" yeah. by Ryan Muncy. Great book. I met Ryan before at a workshop. Good dude. Uh, he's not. I don't think he's a Christian at all, but he's a, he's a solid guy. Comes from a physiology or yeah, like a fitness background, right? Like yeah. that's his background. Um, Not a psychologist or psychotherapist. None of that, right? But the wor- reason I liked his book so much was because he really did a ton of research mm. and. Um, you know, just basically passed on the information that he found and then packaged it in a, in a way that was relatively easy to understand. So I tried to do yeah. the same thing with this. I did a lot Good. of, yeah, a lot of borrowing from other studies and things like that. You know, it's not, it's also nice when you're, um, when you're going through it and you said, Hey, I think I want to write on this. Let me, let me look into those studies and you're looking for the work. And then you find this, you know, paper or whatever, that basically supports everything that you thought. It's like, that's, that's refreshing. Oh, okay, cool. All right. I wasn't just making that up. That's actually some psychological or clinical background. Yeah, this is great. All right, cool. I wasn't, I wasn't just, you know, talking on my butt. So yeah, that's cool. But uh, yeah, a lot of that, but yeah, I'm very, yeah, I'm familiar with Brene Brown. She does some, yeah, obviously does some good work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I read her book, uh, Darren Greatly. (laughs) And that's where I got a lot of uh, my introduction with shame. And I started to bring some of the things I was learning from that book into conversations with men from all over the United States, from all different walks of life, uh, wearing the same uniform as me, right? So a bunch of United States Marines. And man, I'll tell you what, you got to have thick, damn skin to be in the Marine Corps. (laughs) I can see the light bulbs going off in different conversations with these guys who are tough, you know, mean looking, hard-nosed dudes. But when I tell them like, Hey man, you know, that thing that, uh, that happened when you were little, uh, it felt, it was shame. You know, somebody shamed you for something. Maybe you, you drew something and somebody was like, what is that? That's not how you draw or whatever. Right. That was your first experience of shame, but you got so good at it over time that you no longer need anybody else. You can just do it on your own. Now you're just a shame, you know, a shame producing machine and you don't even know it. You're just in this repetitive cycle. And I, I, again, I refer back to Marines just because, you know, we like to think we're so badass, uh, but even the toughest of these guys are like, you know what? Yeah, I can resonate with that. And I'm, so I'm interested in what's the effect of this? What does this do to our force when we are in a continual shame cycle? We shame ourselves. We shame each other. Well, what we found, and one of the things that we were talking about here offline is that shame is going to decrease innovation 100% of the time. When I'm, when I am made to feel like I can't show up as my authentic self and give to the world or produce out into the world, right. And admit who I truly am. I'm showing up at maybe, you know, 50% of myself, the, the part that I know that you'll accept. There's this deep part of me that is left completely untalked about, untended to, uncultivated. And I'm not bringing that out. That might actually be the one, uh, the one trick that we need to be able to, again, get over that hill, give you an example real quick. And then I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, there's a, a gunnery sergeant out in the middle of freaking Iraq. They're on a convoy and for and at hours, right? So they're driving trucks from point A to point B. Um, they've already taken contact in the last city and they're trying to move quick. They get to a bridge and the load that they have, the pallets are too are stacked too high so that the trucks can't move under the bridge. The only way to go free, to go around is to backtrack an hour and a half, find a different route and take fire again. Number one, be completely late for the mission. Number two, and, you know, possibly run out of gas. And there was this uh, PFC just in the Marine Corps that his first deployment, he's probably been in the Marine Corps for maybe three months and he's already out in Iraq. And, uh, he kind of just walks over to the gunny. He says, Hey, uh, gunnery sergeant, um, uh, gunnery sergeant, what is it? What is it, man? What is it? Uh, I think I have a solution to the problem. Um, and at complete risk of sounding stupid, the guy says we can deflate the tires and that should lower it enough for us to pass under the, under the bridge because the vehicles have a self tire filling, um, system. They can fill the tires on their own. Right. So we can deflate it, move over and then it inflates on its own the entire convoy was moving because one guy was vulnerable enough to show up and say, Hey, I think I have a solution. I know that you guys are the experts and I'm just a lowly PFC. I know we're in the middle of possibly taking fire where this is a critical situation, but I'm going to show up as my authentic self. Hey, this is, this is what I'm thinking right now. What are your thoughts? Yeah,
1: yeah no, I mean, I, I agree. I think it's, you know, a lack of fear of rejection that led to that moment, you know, and it's yeah. yeah when you, when you have, and this goes outside again. Like I said, even though I talk a lot about the sex and porn, masturbation angle of things, um, yep. the book really is meant to help anyone dealing with some shame stuff because it, it all really applies. Exactly. Um, but you know, I, I know firsthand what it's like to limit yourself because you are fearful of rejection or you're you question your own capabilities. Uh, it's funny. I won't go into names, but work for a company. Let's just put it that way. And I remember for years, you know, uh, working for them. I would get the answer from the, from the big boss. Like, cause I had, I had two bosses, basically a big boss and like a second in command guy. Right. Yeah. And uh, I remember the big boss would say, oh, leave it to, leave it to, I'll just use the name Tim. Leave it to Tim. Let Tim handle the numbers. You're not a numbers guy, Carl. Okay. Yeah. No, no. What are you, what are you messing with that stuff for? Leave it to Tim, 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 Tim's smart enough. He'll handle this. Okay. You just do what Tim tells you. Okay. Right. And then years later, uh, after I quit and then uh, the big boss comes back to me and says, Hey, we're firing Tim. Do you want to take his position? And then all of a sudden I was the numbers guy. Right. And it's like, wait a minute. I I wasn't a numbers guy, but now all of a sudden I was the guy that, Hey, just send it to Carl. They'll figure out if this is a good idea or not. And all of a sudden, I was the systems guy. Before, all I used to hear is, Carl, you're not a systems guy. Tim's a systems guy. Just do what Tim (laughs) tells you. And I started believing it. You know, people say, hey, are you a, no, 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 leave it to, I'm just, you know. And then I realized, no, I'm actually a systems guy, probably better than Tim, right? But Tim would always have me do all the work for him. So, you know, and then just another story from the same guy, what was funny is, fast forward, he sent a uh I was part of a mastermind with him and some other guys. So he sends this question out. He said, or this series of questions out to all the guys in the group. He says, Hey, get this, get these questions answered from three or four people to know you the best and bring the answers to our next meeting. Right. And so one of the questions was, What do you do best? Like, what are you a ninja at, basically? Right. I had heard for Years, right? Both before the same event and after it, I had heard for years that you know you're not a you're not a creative, you don't do this, you don't do that, you're like you, now I'm a systems guy. I had come to believe that what I was best at, this is how i have expressed it. What are you best at? I'm best at figuring stuff out. That's what I'm best at. Give me a yeah. problem. I'll figure out how to make it work through systems and technology, right that's yeah. That's what I'm best at. That's what I said. That's what I was told. Hey, dude, you're the guy. If I have a problem, I'm going to give it to you. You'll figure out a way to make this all work together, all these different things, right, on a technology level. You'll figure it out. Um, I sent it out to a bunch of people. I was convinced that's what I'm best at. Nobody said that except for him. I sent it to him, the boss, and he, he came back and said, yeah, you're best at that. Definitely. OK. Everybody else I sent it out to, nobody said that. Nobody. Uh, the overriding opinion was basically that I'm best at relationships.
0: Wow. That I, wow.
1: That I know how to deal with that. I know how to deal with people. And you know, it doesn't matter if they're, you know, a pastor or a guy on the street or a drunk Eagles fan or whatever. Yeah. You just know how to hang out and relate with people and deal with people. And you, you, you don't have a problem building connection with pretty much anyone. Like, That's again, I'm not trying to be braggy. here. I'm just saying that was the gist of what I'm best at. I was like, wow. Yeah. I never really thought of that, you know? Right. And, uh, you know, and then years later, uh, launch a ministry. And I mean, honestly, when I launched it in theory, based over the past eight to nine years of what I've heard and believed about myself, it's like, can you pull this off? I don't know if you can pull this off. Like, do you have the ideas to do this? Do you have the creativity to come up with some cool things? Mm-hmm. And you know, I just had to go for it. And I started realizing that, oh, no, I can do some of this stuff, you know? Oh, no, yeah. I don't need to limit myself here, you know? But again, all of that limiting behavior and beliefs were coming from some sort of shame and inadequacy in, in you know, that I, that I've bought into. Exactly. So, exactly. yeah. And like, in essence, creativity, right? It stifled creativity. It stifled me yeah. stepping out and doing certain things because I didn't think I could do it.
0: Yeah. And I'm sure there's guys listening right now who they're limited. Maybe they might not be able to put that language to it right now, but they're limited. And, you know, a lot of times we subscribe to different uh, podcasts. We subscribe to different email lists. We subscribe to different followers, whatever, or, uh, you know, YouTube videos. But, but when it comes to shame, we don't know. Sometimes we unknowingly subscribe to shame in so many different areas of our lives. And we're getting fed, fed, fed with shame content left and right left and right. And guys, right now, this is an invitation for you to unsubscribe to shame, (laughs) but unsubscribing to shame. And I I think you'll agree with me uh, here, Carl takes that deep work in a community. And that community has to be uh, has to offer that authenticity that you need to be able to put yourself out there and develop yourself as the man that you were created to be. What are your thoughts, man?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's the whole, um, you know, we have something called the live free community app and it's an online community for men that deal with, uh, porn and masturbation or whatever you want to call it. Uh, we have livefreewives.org, which is for spouses um, because spouses have to deal with their own shame issues because of their husband's infidelity or sexual betrayal or whatever you want to call it. Um, and we have something called small groups online, which are weekly small groups that are, recovery focused primarily, yeah. but yeah. they're weekly small groups like led by a trained leader. And so we have all these communities and that's the yeah. essence of what we deal with is, Hey, we want to provide a space where you have, where you can get real. Um, I say this a lot, like, you know, we're not in the business of how it is. I mean, we're not in the business of how it should be. We're in a business of how it is. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm mm-hmm. not saying it should be like this. You shouldn't have to go to an online community to talk about, your sexual, unwanted sexual behaviors. You shouldn't have to go that route just right. to be heard. You shouldn't have to, but you do, right? Yep. It isn't the way it should be. It is what it is, and because it is what it is, we want to provide a space for those guys to to have those conversations without the shame. It doesn't matter what it is—porn, uh, whatever, whatever area of life. Yeah. Um, if if it's a if it's if there's a shame issue there. You definitely need a community around you of yeah. some sort that's gonna, and that's actually a subchapter, if you will, in, my, in the chapter deep work in my book. That's the last thing I say is you have to have community because there's gonna be mm-hmm. moments in that journey where you're gonna question. Um, there's gonna be moments where things ain't gonna go right. You ain't gonna ever do that. You'll shut down at some point yeah. because yeah. you're gonna meet adversity. You're gonna meet setbacks. And quite frankly, you're going to meet a whole lot of fear. And uh, if you try to do it by yourself, it's not going to work. You've got to have people around you that are going to champion you. And then also call you out when you need it. Right. Because sometimes, sometimes, you know, the being authentic thing can go the other way where it's, Mm -hmm. Hey, um, I'm just being real. And like, no, you're just, that's your example or that's your excuse for being an asshole. Right. But it's, I'm just being real. No, no, no. There's a difference between being authentic and real and, and doing what you're doing. That's not yep. being real. Yep. Right. So you need those people in your life too, to be like, Hey, listen, man, I like what you're doing, but the way you're going about it, not mm-hmm. good. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's dial it back a, a few notches and figure out what's going on here. So you need, right. you need community for multiple reasons, but absolutely. I would say, especially with, when it comes to the shame topic, You know, if you don't have some sort of community around you throughout that process, it ain't happening.